Church Podcast. This is part four of our series, What Are You Building With Your Life? with a message entitled, Lead, with Pastor Bob Bidwell. In this series, we've been talking about instruction, discipline, and lead. But that's not just a a self-help thing. It's not something that you can just kind of walk into. You need God's shepherd. You need Jesus. You, Lord, are my shepherd. I will never be in need. Of course, that was written by David, the shepherd king, the greatest king that Israel ever had, the king that made Israel's borders larger than they had ever been. Um, the king that was flawed, but always looked to God for his strength and his help. He's the, he's the one that writes, even though I walk through the valley of the shadow of death, I will fear no evil, for you are with me. So those three important functions that we've been talking about, instruction, discipline, and lead, they need to be kept together and in order. And they flow into our life, and they flow out to others. It says about David, David, after he had served God's purpose in his own generation, he fell asleep. He passed away, he died. But he had an influence, and leadership is influence. It actually is. It really is influence. In the, begin, in the beginning, it, call, uh, it all starts with God. It's the call, as I said earlier. Jesus said to his disciples, follow me and I will make you fishers of men. You know, Jesus called his disciples. They didn't just show up with a resume. They didn't email it in. They were doing their work by the seaside one day and Jesus came up and said to them, follow me and I will make you. He instructed them. And he says that to us also, follow me and I will make you. Disciples walked with Jesus. They did that for three years. Uh, He uh, trained them, disciplined He instructed them. This was their training. This was their boot camp. Can you imagine being in that boot camp with Jesus? This was orchestrated by him. It just didn't happen. And you think, maybe you think sometimes when you look at your life that, well, this is just kind of happenstance. Well, maybe you don't use that word, but it's a coincidence. It's fate. It's luck. It's something like that. This is... We don't start it, but we surrender to Jesus' call in our lives. He initiates it. He says, follow me and I will make you fishers of men. So they left their nets on a great adventure. You know, and I'm thinking about a great adventure. I think about uh, telling you that as you know, this is not a theme park adventure. You know, just uh, let's go to the theme park, let's have fun, let's go down the slides, let's avoid the roller coasters. I don't like roller coasters, but anyway, that's not what it's about. The disciples left their nets 
to start eventually the early church that would turn the world upside down, or maybe right side up is a better phrase. See, these three things, instruction, discipleship, or discipline, and leadership, these three things flow into our life and out to others, just like the disciples. Think about it. Think about, think about that person. Maybe it was your parent, one of your parents. Maybe it was a preacher. Maybe it was a Sunday school teacher. Maybe it was a youth leader or a friend or someone you didn't know that well. And they became your friend, but they talked to you about Jesus. And they maybe led you to the Lord. It was a guy that I knew at work that talked to me when I was 18 years old. We're working in a Chrysler dealership of all places in Edmonton. And he talked to me about Jesus. And I, I knew about Jesus, but I didn't really know Jesus. He talked to me. I surrendered my life to him. That's a lot of years ago now. But think about the one flowed out from them to you. That's what it's all about, being a disciple of Jesus. Flowing out to others. God calls us when we receive Christ as Savior. In fact, in John 1, 12, it says, to as many as received him, to them he gave the power or the right to become the sons of God, even to those who believe in his name. And believe, that means go on trusting. Go on walking with him. Yeah, you don't know the pathway. You don't know the road. You know, you don't, you don't have it all figured out. And, you, and we're, we're flawed. We're not perfect. But he says, follow me, and I will make you fishers of men. That's why we need his leadership in our life, and we need to lead in the areas of our life where we touch people, our homes, our families. Now, this morning, I want to take a look at Moses quickly. Um, it's not really easy to take a look at Moses quickly because he's in the whole book of Exodus, right? But we're going to look a little bit at Moses. Um, and I'm primarily looking at, as, he, as Stephen, uh, the deacon in the early church, of, of set, one of seven, who uh, actually died for his faith. We'll come back to that in the, in, in the end of this message. Um, it says here in Acts 7, when the 400 years were nearly up, the time God promised Abraham for deliverance, the population of our people in Egypt had become very large, and there was a, now a king over Egypt who had never heard of Joseph. Joseph was the guy that got them into Egypt in the first place, 1900 B.C., approximately. Joseph died at 110 years old, and he left them uh, this thing that said, you'll carry my bones, this, this edict, this, you'll carry my bones up out of Egypt when he visits you, and he's going to visit you with a deliverer and as we know, that deliverer is Moses. But you'll carry my bones up out of Egypt. Now, this isn't a coffin here, but it opens. 
and you'll carry my bones up out of Egypt. Think about that as we go through this. That's what they had in the back of their mind, these children of Israel, as they suffered continuous and brutal, brutal uh, stuff at the hands of the Egyptians. He goes on to say, the Pharaoh had died, a new Pharaoh had come. He exploited our race mercilessly. He went so far as forcing us to abandon our neighbor, newborn infants, and exposing them to elements to die a cruel death. Joseph had favor with Pharaoh. He dies. The nation is growing. They fall out of favor with the new Pharaoh. In fact, he enslaves them to build his cities. And you know, the Egyptians, because these, these uh, Hebrews are growing leaps and bounds in their nation and taking over some of their territory, they say, they, they began to fear and dislike these people. Egyptians were an agricultural society by, by, in large, and the Hebrews were shepherds. So shepherds, you know, bring those goats in here and eat, eat my agriculture or eat my uh, lawn or whatever it was. Uh, and so it says they organized them into work gangs and they kept, he kept putting more and more work on them. They, they'd make this bunch of bricks and he said, you gotta make twice as much tomorrow and you gotta work longer shifts tomorrow. Have you ever had a boss like that? Maybe not quite that bad. Uh, but what Pharaoh did is all, he didn't just do that, he went after the family and he went after family through the hard labor, keeping the dads and the men and the young men and maybe even the boys oppressed as slaves. But he also went after the babies, the newborns, killing them and wanting to, uh, the, mis uh, the midwives to uh, kill them at birth. You know the story a little bit. These were hard times. These were harsh treatment. These were heavy tests, but they kept on hearing that voice. God will surely visit you and you will carry my bones up out of Egypt. That's a promise. That was a promise for them and we have so many, many more promises today, of course, through our Lord Jesus Christ, who is the King of all kings. So the next part of the story is Moses is born. You know he was born, and uh, you probably remember the story. I remember it way back. Like, I'm talking, boy, I'm talking probably six decades ago when I first heard it in Sunday school about Moses, and he's riding around in this little boat type of thing. You know, a bassinet covered with pitch. And he's, he's there, he's, he's put in the, in the canal in the river and by the shore. And you know the story, Pharaoh's daughter comes down, rescues him, and he begins to be an Egyptian. She gives him the name Moses, which, is, which means taken out of the river. Boy, that's a fantastic name, isn't it? Very, you know, uh, well, it's interesting, isn't it? It's, it's, it's smart, I guess you could say. Uh, um, and you know, not only that, as Moses grew up, he became an impressive thinker, an athlete, uh, uh, educated in the schools of Egypt, and he got to live in a palace. 
a palace. Can you imagine living in a palace? I don't think there, there's some really nice homes in Grand Prairie, but I don't think any of them are palaces. Go to the dream home. It's not a palace. It's nice, but it's not a palace. So in this segment that we're reading from, that Stephen is preaching to the Sanhedrin who are just getting uptight, he, he breaks down Moses' life in 40-year segments, and that's really how Moses' life does break down. 40 years in Egypt, 40 years in the Sinai Desert, and 40 years serving God, leading his people out of Egypt to the borders of Canaan, the promised land. There's interesting insight that I heard quite a few years ago. It says, it says this, Moses spent his first 40 years in the palace thinking he was something. He was all in the bag of chips. Is that how that goes? It's some kind of, that's, that's, I messed that up. Everything, anyway, doesn't matter. You know what I mean. Moses was raised in the palace, given an Egyptian name. He spent the second 40 years herding sheep thinking he was nothing in the discipline, under the discipline of God, even though he ran from Pharaoh. And he spent the third 40 years leading the children of Israel, saying that God was everything. Lead. That's what we're talking about today. Influence. To do that, You've got to believe that God is everything. God is everything. But um, this business back in the palace where Moses was thinking, thinking he was something, or this business with us when we think we are something, that's something we have to consider. He's, he's, he's raised in the palace. He was pulled out of the water, raised in the palace. But this whole thing, he trusted his role rather than trusting God. He assumed you can naturally be a leader. And there are great personalities that can be great leaders. But this thing of lead, instruction, discipline, and leader. Remember the real leadership course. You can take leadership courses. You can naturally become a leader. The real leadership course is this, instruction, discipline, leadership under God. In fact, the acronym is IDL. Say it fast enough. Say it with me, IDL. IDL. Ideal. It's ideal, right? Is that an ideal, ideal thing? It really is. It's a sequencing. It's a sequencing from God. It's a sequencing that Jesus used to train the disciples and take, send them out to lead. So what happens? Moses goes out one day to check his brethren. He's from the palace. And you know, he, he sees the Hebrew brothers and in their, in their oppressive slave labor, he sees one of them being badly beaten by an Egyptian. This slave driver was beaten on this Egyptian. He checked that no one was around. No one was looking. 
And Moses takes it literally into his own hands. He kills him. And he buries the body of the Egyptian in the sand. Somehow, someone was looking and it got back to Pharaoh. This is really abbreviating the story. But it got back to Pharaoh. And he found out what Moses has done and, and Moses has to flee for his life, he flees to Midian, from the palace to the desert of Saudi Arabia. The prince from the palace was no longer a prince because he'd only been fulfilling a role. He was not their protector, he was not their leader, but he, he would be. But remember this, God had called Moses. God had planned for Moses, but he had not yet been instructed, trained, or disciplined to take the lead. Remember, remember that God chose you. He called you. If you're following Jesus this morning, sometimes there's going to be those setbacks where you end up in the desert. Thought you were doing very good, but you ended up in the desert, and the desert comes to us lots. Sometimes, as Rick Warren says, you go in, we're either going into a problem, out of a problem, or in a problem, or coming out of a problem. And those can be desert experiences for us. The Bible says, trust in the Lord with all your heart, and lean not unto your own understanding, and all your ways acknowledge him, and he will direct your paths. And you will lead. Can't trust your role or your position to make you a leader. Falling back on that is a mistake. It's confusing, as with Moses, it was confusing, it's chaotic, <clears throat> it's crazy making for you and for those that you lead or influence. For instance, here's a way we can fall back into our roles. I'm dad, I'm mom, you'll do it because I say so. That's aggressive, that's fearful. But that's a role and, and we trust the role when we fall back into that and we can fall back into that. It's easy with teenagers, with others, with, you know, we can just go there in relationships. But it, it's not God's way. Or I'm dad, or I'm mom. I just want peace. So we'll be your Uber. Apparently there are no Ubers in Grand Prairie, so we'll be your taxi. We'll be your bank machine, or nowadays, we'll be your e-transfer. Or Bitcoin, what's that all about? We'll be your refrigerator. We'll be your Roomba. What a Roomba is? It's that thing that, you know, better not trip over it. Uh, but that's false security. But this is how we can see parenting. This is how we can see our relationships, our marriages, trying to just do them as a role. But it's leadership. It's not a role. It's influence. One of the great uh, 
quotes on leadership. I heard this 30 years ago, and that was a late hearing, because this quote was around before, but it, it surprised me. It really stopped me in, in my... Uh, uh, I'm in my shoes, I guess. Is that the word? Leadership is not about titles, roles, positions, or flowcharts. It's about one life influencing another. John Maxwell. So he also went on to say this. He's got hundreds of quotes, but I like this one. Position or role is a great place to visit, but you wouldn't want to live there. Are you living in your position, in your role? Or are you living, leading, influencing someone else? That flowchart he talks about, the flowcharts come something like this. It's CEO, assistant CEO, manager, team leader, uh, assistant team leader, uh, worker, one, two, three, right, whatever. That's a flowchart. So can you imagine you're sitting in your office, and there it is on the wall. And you're sitting there staring at it for hours, thinking, my, my looking at that thing, I know it sounds ridiculous, but my looking at that thing is going to somehow change how I relate as a leader to those people out there that I'm leading. Doesn't work. Can't live staring at the flowchart. Leadership is influence. Now, Moses was commissioned to be an influencer. He had the title, Prince of Egypt, before he got run out of there. And if you're in your 30s now, you remember that film? Cartoon film? Anybody remember Prince of Egypt? Is that, am I getting that old? No. I remember watching it with my kids, so I know in their 30s, late 30s, we watched that. We probably... 10 or 11 maybe at that time. Prince of Egypt. But he was sent to lead. He was supposed to be that God will surely visit you guy. But that disappeared, that, that role of his disappeared real fast when Pharaoh got the news. So we take Moses now, after 40 years, he's fled to Midian. He's a... He's, uh, shepherding sheep 40 years have passed and he gets visited again he's walking around along one day you know the story he sees this bush that never uh it never it's not consumed it's burning but it's not consumed i you know i wouldn't mind like a mind having a fire that did that in my wood stove i wouldn't have to bring the wood in i wouldn't but this was god and he went, he went over there. Well, who wouldn't? He went over there and checked it out and found out, whoa, this is God. And that, uh, out of that fire came the words, take off your sandals. You're on holy ground. And then the angel of the Lord said, I have indeed, speaking for God, I have indeed seen the oppression of my people in Egypt. I have heard their groaning and I have come down to set them free. Now, come, I will send you back to Egypt. Well, well that, that didn't sit real well with Moses, even though he had been called. He's human. Didn't sit well with him. Didn't like change. How many here like change? 
Oh, you all like change. Okay. All right. Okay. I don't like change a lot. I don't think it's just because I'm getting older. Some people say, well, you don't like change because you're getting older. Again, can we have that poll? How many like change? Okay, you all like change. <laughs> anyway, Moses didn't like change. He made excuses. He made excuses to God. He, he can't go and lead the Israelites out of Egypt. Remember, leadership is, a, and Pastor Nelson said this a week ago or so, or might have been before that, or last week Brent spoke, but Pastor Nelson said this, leadership is a consistent and enduring practice of clear instructions and discipline. So think about this. What is consistent and enduring in our society today? We found out over the last three years that not a lot, not a lot of the things anyway that we look to consistency for, that we hope and we loved that it endured, a lot of things have changed. So God asks Moses to go back to Egypt. And Moses says, who am I? that I should go to Pharaoh. Exodus 3.11 to 13. And God said, I will be with you. And he said, when you've done that and you've brought the people out of Egypt, come back to Mount Sinai where we are and worship me on this mountain. The God of your fathers has sent you But he said, well, the God, he, that may be true, but what, what is his name? What, they're going to ask me, has he sent you? And what shall I tell them? So the first excuse that we make often when God challenges us, when God challenges us and says, lead here, influence here, the first is I won't have all the answers. And they may, you may not say that out loud, but... It goes around in our head. I won't have all the answers. And as influencers, as leaders, we don't have all the answers. And you know what? If we thought we had all the answers, we would be in trouble because then we would be a leader that was unattainable or a person that was unattainable in their life. You couldn't, you couldn't even relate to them. We don't have all the answers. That's why we need God. And... In marriage, for instance, guys, uh-oh. I saw one guy duck behind the chair. No. Your wife comes home from work, and she wants to tell you all about the problem she had at work today. Or dad, you come home, and your wife wants to talk about the problem she had with the children after they got home from school, or the problem the children had in school. So what do you do? Uh, honey, yeah, I, I quick, you can do this very quickly. I got, I got something to do in the garage. Or, um, I wanted to check out the scores on the games. Or, uh, I'm just going to check the news headlines on my phone. I'll be in the other room. 
and you duck out. Sorry for picking on you guys, but it happens, right? Or you try to fix it. I recall this happening in my home a few times. You should have done this, this, this. A, B, C. You should have done that, honey. That would have fixed the problem. Or you should have said this to your boss. A, B, C. What, does, how can you lead in that situation? How should, you, how should you lead in that situation? You know what? Sometimes influence is just listening. We just need to listen, don't we guys? It's hard, but we need to have eye contact. We need to reflect feelings. What? <laughs> feelings of acceptance, that's influence. It's not just words, it's influence. Uh, what about conflict? You ever have any conflict in your relationships? In your home? With your kids, with your husband and wife? No, you don't. No, you don't. Yeah, you do. And you know what happens when we get in those things? We don't, we don't bring, we don't lead or bring a lot of positive influence. And, and these are the things. That, this comes from the experts that studies marriages for decades. We go to defensiveness. Well, I never did that. We go to criticism, you did that. We go to contempt, ha, huh, roll our eyes. We go to stonewalling, zip, we turn around, our back becomes a wall. You see, that's what we say when we think we don't have all the answers. That's what we do. Now, another one, our society, I think, is full of this. I don't have the ability or or the qualifications, excuses and hindrances. God's calling us to lead. See, Moses resisted God. He said, I don't speak well, so Lord, could you just send someone else? Have you ever had something that you know God is speaking to you or he's been speaking to you in your, in your head, in your mind, and maybe, or from the word of God, he said something, you should do this, you should go over there, and you said, well, I don't have the ability. You know what Moses, uh, God said to Moses, he said, I made your mouth, buddy. Get going and I will teach you what to say. Step out in faith and trust. If God asks you to do something, he gives you the ability to do it. He's already put that in you. Sometimes I think we think about, well, comparing and others can do it better. And you know, there's always those experts that Pastor Nelson talked about a couple of weeks ago. The experts, we give the, give the experts everything to do. We call up right away, we have them on speed dial, you know, and call up the expert, phone a friend. It's okay to phone a friend, but the friend doesn't have to do it for you, right? It's okay to phone the friend to get prayer or, you can get some advice, you say, just encouragement. So what is God asking you to do? Where is God asking you to go or to serve? Where is he asking you to serve? 
Who is God asking you to speak to? What thing in your home is he asking you to, okay, you know this is kind of the elephant in the room, they call it, or something's going on in a relationship. Where's God speaking to you on something like that? You see, it's never about our abilities anyway. It's all about our availability and being clear, being consistent. Are you available to God? Is your heart willing? Are you listening to him to the whispers? Are you uh, reading his word and having him talk to you out of it personally? Not just for, you know, good feeling, but to be that lead, that leader out there. So what is the Egypt that you don't want to face? You don't want to turn around and go back there. Because I don't have the ability. You know what that keeps us in? It keeps us going around the mountain. Have you heard that phrase? But you need to take the lead. God says, you are my choice. I don't care if there's 100 other guys lined up or gals lined up. I didn't choose them. I chose you. I chose you to speak to that neighbor across the fence. Well, you know, just to speak to him. Speak to them. I will be with you, he says. The other uh, excuse uh, might be, I don't or I won't have their respect. What if they don't believe in me or listen to me and say, the Lord did not send you, Exodus 4.1. Moses says this to God. Here's an interesting scenario that goes on. And, and, and by the way, everybody wants to have respect, right? It's, it's quite the thing in our society about respect. But here's the thing. I want, my, I want my kids to like me. I want them to, I want to be their friend. You know, God says to Moses, I, uh, or Moses says to God, or the people, are, sorry, the people are saying to Moses, are gonna say, Moses says this, the Lord did not send you. That's going to be, you know, they're, gonna, they're not gonna respect me. They're gonna say, the Lord did not send you. Moses, does that mean I'm not in charge? People, parents, am I not in charge? Did he not bless you with those kids? Give you, give you to them as their parents, their stewards, their caretakers, their nurturers, until they became adults? when you release them to be all they can be for God in this world? This is a, a really good scripture. I, I like it. Uh, behold, or listen to this. That behold is an old, old word. We don't use it. You don't walk up to your friend and say behold. But listen to this. Children are a gift of the Lord. The fruit of the womb is a reward. Like arrows in the hand of a warrior. So are, so are the children 
of one's youth. Blessed is the man and the woman whose quiver is full. Now, I don't know how full your quiver is. You could have one child. Your quiver might be full. You could have five child, children. You could have 10. It's not about the amount. It's about the quality. It's about the leadership, about leading, about influencing these kids. Like I said, respect. You won't win it with just wanting their respect. Everyone is looking for it in our society today to the demise of value, honor, and truth. See what it says in Proverbs, this wisdom of Proverbs, Proverbs 29, 25, the fear of man is a snare. The fear of man is a trap, but the one who trusts in the Lord will be protected. Trust in the Lord with all your heart. Lean not, lean not unto your own understanding. Trust in, trust in the Lord for those little ones that he's blessed you with because, you know, when uh, this thing that he says to the people, as he, that he would, thought the people would say to him, pardon me, the Lord did not send you. Are you saying that, you know, with your kids? Well, you've got the kids, but I'm not sure if the Lord gave me these, these ones. And that, I mean, that can be a, you can think that sometimes. Well, you know, mainly when they get to be teenagers, you think that. Did the Lord, Lord, did you really send these kids to me? Yes, but he did. See, Exodus is a story of a meek, humble, yet powerful leader named Moses with clear instructions, discipline, and leading. Hundreds of thousands of his people, called, known as the children of Israel, and they acted like children many times. But Moses was clear on the instruction, on the discipline and being the influence. There's lots of things. There's lots of great stories I could tell from there. You could read them in the Bible of Moses being known as the meekest man on earth. What does that mean? He's weak? No. He was powerful, as powerful when he was riding his horse around Egypt as the prince of Egypt, yet now he was trained. That power was taken by God, for God, and harnessed, in a sense, in his life so that he could lead, he could be the influence. Did he make some mistakes? There's a couple of mistakes he makes, yes. But there's overwhelmed. There's one time he says to God, Lord, don't lead us up from this place unless you go with us. Wow. He got to that place because the Lord didn't want to go with them. He wanted to, Moses to go with him. He was going to destroy the, the children of Israel. But he says, Lord, don't lead us up. Don't take us up to this place unless you go. He pleaded. And God changed his mind. In conclusion, remember, I said earlier, Jesus said this, follow me and I will make you fishers of, fishers of people, fishers of men. As we follow Jesus, instruction, that equation we've been working on for four weeks, <clears throat> leadership, uh, instruction, discipline, leadership, 
flow into our lives and out to others. I want to take you back to the story of Stephen because <clears throat> Stephen preached uh, what we've been mostly reading from this morning. It's recorded in Acts, chapter six and seven. He talked a lot about Moses in this, in this <clears throat> sermon that he was preaching. This, this deacon who was favored by God was full of the Holy Spirit and when he stood before those religious leaders, the same ones that Jesus stood before, the Sanhedrin, they could see it in his eyes. He was an influencer. What happens is he, you know, he was pulled in because they were doing, he was doing unmistakable signs in, in his ministry. Even while he was, you know, his job was looking after widows. In his ministry, he was doing awesome things though. And this really got to the Sanhedrin and this mob grabbed him and brought him to, the, to where the Sanhedrin met. And then they grabbed him again when the Sanhedrin had had enough. He ticked them off so bad and they, their, their heads were almost blowing off their bodies. They were so angry. And the mob grabbed him. The mob dragged him outside, took him outside the city and stoned him to death. But in his death, the Bible says he saw Jesus standing at the right hand of God. Something different about that because the Bible says that Jesus sits at the right hand of God. But in this instant, Jesus was standing. And he says, as he's dying, Lord Jesus, receive my spirit, and Lord, do not hold the sin against them. In many ways, Stephen's influence was much greater after he died because in the crowd, standing there holding the coats of the ones who stoned Stephen was a man named Saul of Tarsus, a young man at that time, who we know met Jesus on the road to Damascus, and after that he became Paul, Paul the Apostle. And Paul writes a lot of things about uh, instruction, discipline, and lead. He teaches the church on it, on, on that constantly. About instruction and about discipline. But one thing that he said, imagine this. Paul has sat and watched Stephen, stoned to death. And at that time, he was not a God or a, a Christian a Jesus lover. He was not at all. He was contrary. That's why he got knocked off his horse because uh, he was persecuting Christians. But he writes in, I think it's in Corinthians, he says, I die daily. What? He's writing about in that passage the truth of the gospel and the resurrection of Christ. He says, I die daily. Because he also wrote this. He wrote about instruction, discipline, leadership in this one verse. It says, I've been crucified with Christ and it is no longer I who live, but Christ lives in me 
and the life that I now live in the flesh. You're still living life in the flesh. You're not crucifying yourself on a cross. You're not trying to do things to get to heaven. I'm gonna do this much for you, Lord. I'm gonna take this pain for you or whatever it is. That's not what it's about. By grace are you saved through faith and that not of yourselves. It's the gift of God lest any man should boast, right? It's not that. The life which I now live in the flesh, I live by faith in the Son of God who loved me and gave himself up for me. That's why he could say I die daily. That's why he almost died daily in real life. He was in shipwrecks. He was stoned himself. He was whipped. He was beaten. He did die, finally. But while he lived, he was a great influencer, as you know, and that's how Stephen influenced beyond his death, at his death. You see, this talk here that God, that, sorry, that Paul talks about is anchored to eternity. It's not pie in the sky by and by when you die. I don't know if you've heard that one. Us older ones have heard that. It is not that. This is anchored to, to eternity and our lives are to be lived in the light of eternity. Christian, will you make the choice to a continued surrender the, to the consistent enduring practice of instruction, discipline, and leadership influence. Jesus said this while praying with, in private with his disciples. You know this, this scripture really well. But he was in private with his disciples. That's important to know that. Whoever wants to be my disciple must deny himself and take up their cross daily and follow me. I like that uh, song that Pastor Brent led this morning, Yes and Amen. Let's stand together this morning, please. Lord, of course you're, you've called us. If we've received Christ, you're in our lives. And Lord, we call upon you for your help this morning. For this phrase that we've read, this verse that we've read this morning, I have been crucified with Christ. You see, Christ died and was crucified for you. His blood was shed for every one of us. Paul said, nevertheless, I live. I live in this world. I'm not of this world, but I live in this world. I live by faith in the sound, in, in the Son of God who loved me and gave myself, gave himself up for me. Will you take up the cross for Jesus today? Lord, we pray for this. Help us, Lord, each one, to go daily into this world and be an influence. Not grade how our influence is or our leadership is with others. You know, well, that guy's a better leader. That guy's got a higher position. That guy, that person, she's a better mom than I am. Stop it. Lord, help us to stop that. Help us to look to you and not to others. 
Lord, we just pray this now in Jesus' name and we ask you, Lord, uh, Lord, to come into our homes afresh. Lord, uh, you know our problems. You know some of the tough things that there are people here going through. Lord, we just ask for your help, for your blessing. Lord, help us to carry your name to our workplace, to our neighbors, to have you in the center of our families. May, we, may your leadership, your life, your influence flow out from us. In Jesus' name, amen. And I want to take a minute here this morning. If you're here and you don't know Jesus Christ personally, you've heard this message. You want to know him. I've got a prayer. You could share it with me in your head. Pray it with me. Lord, I know I'm a sinner. I have not taken that step. I have not crossed that line. But I ask your forgiveness today. I believe Jesus Christ is your son. I believe that he died for my sin and that you raised him to life. I want to trust him as my savior. Lord, would you guide my life and help me to do your will? I pray this in Jesus' name. Amen. Thanks for listening. If you find this program helpful or would like to learn more, please give us a call, 780-539-0572 or email mail at peopleschurchgp.com.